Welcome to the newest episode of the New Balances podcast. I'm your host, and I am joined by a longtime friend and somebody I haven't talked to probably in eight or nine years, maybe. Almost a, dec- a decade. Oh, about a decade. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we followed each other on social media and kept up to date with what each other's uh, happenings are. Troll each other on Twitter a little bit when it comes to the sports seasons. Um, but all around... All around good guy, Neil Spencer. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you Thanks. for joining us. Thanks. It's great to be here and bring the podcast down after Ed Condon. Oh, I mean, you know, he is a big name uh, in the Catholic media world, and you are a no name in the Catholic media world. So I feel like, in order to balance things out, I 100%. need to bring on somebody. You, you stunned your followers, and now you got to bring it back to the reality with me, with I think like 80 something followers on Twitter, and half of them are I mean, high school friends. You you do have a certain personality about you that I feel like is electric. You just haven't really put yourself out there to be discovered yet. <laughs> That's right. Which is cause... weird because in college you were a bit of a peacock and you like to stand out. Well, Catholic Twitter is a hellscape, um, and I try to try to keep to my own. Just comment when when necessary. <laughs> One of the things uh, in the last because I'm sure you probably listened to it or maybe just looked at it and said, nope, not even going to listen to that uh, with Ed. We talked a little bit about uh, the Catholic dating world and what a a dumpster fire it appears to be on social media with discerning, oh, should I go out on a date with this person? I don't know. I I have to talk to Jesus and Mary and discern this. It's like, first of all, God's going to cooperate with you in whatever you decide because he gave you free will. So there's part one of discernment, make a decision. And then if it works, great. If it doesn't work, hit the eject button. There's another person somewhere down the road. Yeah, I I was very fortunate. I skipped the dating world. I was in the dating world very briefly when I lived in New York, but I I was in it briefly and then left very quickly. That's right. So I'm having a flashback because there was one time when I was in New York when I was a brother and you were working somewhere downtown in yeah, right in midtown. Yep. And we met up for I think lunch one day. Or we we met somewhere and sure. that's just coming back to me. Well, we'll go through but, it. We'll go we'll yeah. give the whole rundown. We're, the Neil and Adam saga. I first met you and I thought you reminded me a lot of Conan O'Brien and you still kind of st- do. I still get that today. You still get that? Okay. I'm glad I'm I not still, the only I one. I still get that today. Glad I'm not the only one. Um all right. So tell us the story of Neil Spencer. Where do you come from? Where did you go? Something, something caught my Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I am uh, Neil Spencer. I am from a small town in South Jersey by Atlantic City. Um, I in, in New Jersey. The, well, go ahead. I'm going to blurt it out, but. Yes. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm like Ed Condon. I like my privacy. Um, but it, so we, it's my town was basically there's uh, Pineys in New Jersey. Pineys there. My town was Pineys that evolved to water. So a lot of duck hunters, fishermen. I grew up on the water, loved it. Um, and then 
went to college seminary at Seton Hall University starting in 2006. Uh, and I, I went through 2010 studying for the diocese of another Southern Jersey. Well, the only, the only diocese in Southern Jersey, diocese, Camden. I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, I left the diocese of Camden uh, under complicated circumstances, uh, had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, went to New York, got a job because a wonderful woman, Sister Pat, called me and said, do you want to work in New York in equity research? And I said, I don't know what any of those words mean. Uh, so yes. I had to Google how to, I had to Google how to make a resume. I had, I had no professional inkling. I was babysitting my little cousin at the time. Um, I was, I think I downloaded the application to the Coast Guard. I mean, I was lost. It's a rough summer. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I got a job working as an administrative assistant in the equity research for Key Bank to base, uh, base in Cleveland, working in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, got a, was a roommate with, from a grade school friend of mine who was a page at NBC. We were living in the Upper East Side, sharing a one bedroom. Uh, it was a crazy time. It was a crazy time to be alive. That was the wildest part of my life. Um, and then I rekindled relations with a high school girlfriend of mine who was in grad school nearby in New Jersey. We got married, had a couple of kids, moved back down. Rest is history. Now I work. And that's for, the uh, saga of Neil Spencer. Thank you that's all it. for listening that's to. It. <laughs> it's been a wonderful night. I'm going to go to bed because I'm tired and I have two kids. Yeah, we just have a brand new. Uh, we got a 10 week old. We just had her baptized this past weekend. So huh? I'm Congrats. joining you on the on the tired train. I have a new understanding for what that is. It only gets worse. More so. Um, it only gets worse because now they now they when they start to talk and move. I got yelled at the other day because I made the waffles wrong. And I mean, they're Eggo waffles. You can't make them wrong. You just put they're, them in the toaster. They're either burnt or not toasted I, appa- I apparently cut cut the waffle incorrectly. And it's... How dare you? <laughs> I'm a monster. And that's why there's daddy juice. <laughs> that's what I call it, too. I tell my daughter, who's my daughter's four, my son is, uh, well, he's almost four. My son is almost two. So I tell my daughter, I say, Claire, do you want to go to the daddy juice store? And she's like, yeah, because they have uh, lollipops behind the counter. So the guy always like looks at me, winks. He's like, can I give her one? I'm like, yeah. So she's like, you know, gets the whole like dumb, dumb barrel. So she like loves it. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Uh, so, all right. You started in the college seminary 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, I... So you were studying for a diocese. I was studying uh, for a religious order. And, you know, we were always taught that we should stay separate because the others were evil and (laughs) we should never talk to each other. Um, (laughs) We were bad influences on each other. And we should see each other. And we're going to get to that. We're not jumping (laughs) Um, But going through i ended up at seton hall in the spring of 2008 and i just sort of naturally gravitated uh, towards you um in a you know completely hetero way not in any sort of um uh, sexual way because i don't float it's disappointing that it's disappointing but okay well, i'll accept I mean, it w- there's other stories there um you know, because I was approached by one of your housemates. And uh, so that that was interesting. And we had to make quick uh, recourse of that to your boss. We worked work the problem. 
we worked the problem and then the problem was uh, ejected from the program and never to be seen from or heard from again. Until tonight. Um, until tonight when we talk about it uh, 14 years later. Yeah, my gosh. Uh, so yeah, real interesting times because when we were together at school, you just had this uh, natural energy and social butterfly come talk to me sort of energy. And um, I think that comes natural to you because you are an extrovert from what I can tell. I am. I am. I, I, I'm working from home remotely right now for my work. Uh, and it kills you. It drives me crazy. I just, the human interaction is not the same on Microsoft Teams. Um, I work for a very large company and they, you know, I work with people, a lot, a lot of people. Uh, and it's, it's difficult, I think. I mean, it's also because I, I live in a poorly run petting zoo. I have two dogs, two cats, two kids, one wife. Um, and I'm the one that's home. My wife works in the school. She's been back full time from nearly the beginning. So it's just been me. So, uh, yeah, it's been hard, but I, I, I naturally like people. I, I don't know how to say, it. I like human interaction. I don't, I don't like social media. I don't like Twitter. I don't like Instagram. I don't like Facebook. I like people. I like talking to people. I like learning about them. I like, you know, being so around you should, people. You should have been a sociologist or anthropologist. And- I have, yeah, sociologists, they, they scare me. Oh, at least the ones on Twitter. Yeah, they're, they're a different breed. Um, so pandemic-wise, uh, things have been rough for you. You know, the two weeks to flatten the curve turned into two years, and now you're <laughs> going crazy. Um, wow. Yeah. All right, so let's go back a little bit to the early college days. Um, I have distinct memories of drunken shenanigans, with you and a couple of your classmates Sounds because right. we had a snow day and this is one of the only memories I have of hanging out with the crew. I mean, I know I came over to the house for dinner a couple times and we mm-hmm. imbibed uh, with the beverages, but then we had a snow day and you guys decided you were going to go to Costco and get snacks. All seems reasonable. I mean, we've, we, we would, we have done crazier things. I, I remember because uh, we, we were in South Orange, New Jersey. Um, I remember we had to drive to like the nearest Wawa because we, you know, we had a, a, a gaggle of South Jersey residents uh, and we had to drive 45 minutes to the nearest Wawa. Now it is, it is crept further into North Jersey. Thank God, uh, because North Jersey, like Catholic Twitter, is also a hellscape. Uh, but now it's, it's being redeemed with the Wawa. Um, yeah, it's but yeah, more we want to be Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've done, we've done, there's so many snack runs, whether it's white house. I know there was churches, chickens there. It was, it was, yeah, we, I gained some serious weight in college. You did. (laughs) You were fat, Neil. (laughs) You're fat, Neil. I mean, I've always been fat. You got fat. (laughs) Welcome to the big boy club. All right. I always shopped in the Husky section at Sears. It's fine. Um, So, and then I remember I have a vague recollection of us going to a uh, dog shelter. Yeah, that's uh, so. I um, yeah, we I would volunteer it on the weekends. My this was my, I think my senior year, 
there was a dog shelter that you would go and like socialize puppies. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I actually got a dog from that, and she is actually at my parents right now because she is 14, 15 years old. She's old. Um, and it's my house is too crazy. Um, so she's in my parents' retirement community, uh, back in my hometown of an undisclosed location. Which and I, I will blur it out, I promise. <laughs> maybe. Um, I'll text you and remind you. Uh, and yeah, she's she's still with us, Shay. Uh, named after the New York Mets, New, New York Metropolitan's home stadium. Um, former, well, home former stadium. home stadium. And uh, yeah, she's she's still with us. Um, yeah, I, I, think we, I remember seeing pictures of her and I don't see pictures of her any longer. Well, now, yeah, now the dogs have been replaced by kids. So we we got, yeah, so we got another, we, we bought a house and a big fenced in yard. So we got another dog because we're like, why not? You know, we were trying to have a kid at the time. Um, and we struggled in the beginning to have a kid. We, we had a miscarriage. So I lost my first daughter um, pretty, pretty early on. I think my wife was like 12 weeks. Um, and for anyone who goes through that, I, my heart goes out to them because that was the hardest, so one of the hardest things. That's not something that's talked about. Uh, no, it's lot, not. I feel like, and I feel like it's something that, should be more normalized i know uh girlfriends will talk amongst girlfriends about it maybe to a certain extent but from the male end it's almost never talked about because i tried talking about it with my brothers uh because um and they were like we don't want to talk about it and then one of my uh close childhood friends um he wanted to talk about it a little bit because my wife and i uh, suffered a miscarriage in our first pregnancy at about Sorry. five or six weeks. Uh, and it was crushing. It is like soul crushing. Um, it's un- unspeakable pains. It, and it's, and it's a silence. There's a silence to it because people feel like you can't talk about it. You can't be like, Oh, I lost a kid. Oh, well, no, you didn't have a kid. Oh yes, you did. You Cause did. to us, we did. And I mean, in biology, we did. Um, and I remember I, I suck at keeping things to myself. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I very, I try to be empathetic. Like that's just the nature of who I am. And I remember at work, I remember I tell, I was in a conference room and we were having lunch with a couple of coworkers of mine on team. And I just remember breaking down crying. Um, cause I, I just lost it talking about it because yeah, I mean, that was, that was my first baby girl. And we, we didn't have any of the remains. We took the picture to my, my wife's father who passed away tragically uh, when my wife was young. Um, he was a police officer killed in the line of duty. But we took it to his gravesite and we buried the ultrasound picture because um, that, that, w- that was the one thing we could do. We couldn't do anything else. Um, and then we had our rainbow baby after that. But like, you know, it's, I see some people post about it on Twitter. Um, and I just, yeah, my heart, my heart goes out to them. I mean, of course the women, of course, because I, I have, I will always remember the moment after the procedure with my wife going in back there and talking to her. Cause she was still very loopy from the medicine. She doesn't remember any of this, but I do. And she would go from like giggling to like sobbing and like this back and forth. And it, it's gut wrenching. I was texting a priest friend of mine when I was in the waiting room, like it, it was truly awful. Um, 
and yeah, that's something I'm, I'm, I'm always going to hold in my heart. I mean, it's always going to be, she is always going to be a piece of me. And did yeah. uh, you guys give her a name? Uh, we did. Uh, we did. You don't uh, have to share it. You don't yeah, have to no, share it. it's fine. I'm, I'm getting worked up now. Uh, I didn't actually plan on talking about that at all. Um, yeah. I wasn't so he, expecting it and I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, because... no, she, uh, yeah. So we, we, uh, we, we called her Danielle. Um, so my wife's father was Daniel. Um, and my daughter is Claire Danielle. Um, but we wanted to name a girl Danielle. So, um, yeah. And, you know, it was one of those spontaneous things. It was a Tresemme, some other name number. I don't even know. Um, but yeah, that was, that was devastating. And it took a while for us to try again. Um, and yeah, that was a very hard moment in our lives. And I think we are, uh, my wife and I, we've, we, we've been friends for a while. We dated in high school. We rekindled our relationship after seminary. We, I was, I always joke that I was her gay best friend, uh, in college. Cause I was off limits, you know, like I was like, I would be the guy she would complain to about other guys. And I would give were, her advice. Safe. <laughs> I was safe. I was the seminarian. Um, little did she know. No. Um, well, we'll and, get back to the suspicious circumstances. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And yeah, it, um, it, I mean, it brought us closer together. I mean, we've been through a lot and she's been, my wife has been through so much uh, in her, her young life. Um, and it's, um, I mean, our kids are, our kids are great, but you know, we know one's missing. Yeah. We don't know what the gender of our uh, child was, but uh, we gave the child the name of Quinn because it could go either way. It could. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know that about you and my heart, my heart goes out to you, brother. Yeah. Same. Uh, it's definitely not easy. Um, no, it's something that will, uh, stick with us forever because I remember we she told me that she was pregnant on um, the night before my birthday mm. and then uh, she uh, had the miscarriage on my birthday and then um, it, well, was confirmed through the doctor on my birthday just a couple months after uh, our honeymoon and um it was in the height of the pandemic. So I couldn't go into doctor's offices with her mm. and she had to do that alone. And that was one of the more gut wrenching elements of it uh, for me was that I couldn't be by her side to, to walk with her and to just accompany her and be there for her because to, to have to go through that and physically be alone during that. Yeah. Was, no, it, I can't I imagine sitting in the car just like what the fuck now no you know, i can't can't be with her this is ridiculous and then um when we kept trying to get pregnant again once she got pregnant and vaccines were available and everything else i said i need to be at every single doctor's appointment that i can possibly go to uh you know i'm gonna get all of the shots that uh, are absolutely required because i'm not gonna miss being there for her and I'm not going to be there, not going to miss being there for uh, our daughter, Ava. So, sure. you know, uh, there's a, a line in it and I don't know what your feelings are on uh, vaccinations or anything. I'm not looking to get I'm vaccinated. It. I don't yeah. care. 
do you, I looked, talk to your I doctor, looked, make a medical decision. It's up to you. Uh, yeah. I looked at it from the standpoint of it's not up to me anymore. There's, I don't have the, uh, the luxury of having principles as uh, Mel Gibson says in the Patriot, I'm a father. I haven't the luxury of principles. I have first to- time I got a flu shot was when my wife was pregnant. That was, yeah. That's the first time I got a flu shot. First time I got a flu shot was when they told me to, when I was doing hospital chaplaincy as a student. So that's fair. And the only other time that I've gotten it has been when I've been with her. So yeah, it's uh Yeah. Wasn't expecting to get into heavy stuff early. I, apolog- I apologize. We can talk about fun things. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about all the things. Because talk, let's talk about let's talk about the seminary. Let's talk about me going in. Let's talk about me leaving, because that's that's a fun topic. You start the story, and I'll chime in. All right. Uh, so you know, just just so you know, like I don't know if you ever heard my, you know, ever we all have vocation stories, and I'll keep it very brief. But I went in like this is the real real. Um, because I'm almost on my, my crown royal. But the real real is I went in to leave. I went in to rule out seminary. I went in to rule out priesthood because I had always thought priesthood when I was little. I played mass. I had potato chips. I had the communion. I was an altar server. Thought about it. Got into high school and I was like, I like girls. I like I like girls. I like dating. I like emotional intimacy. Like I am, again, extrovert. I want to be around people. I think that physical closeness, hugging, holding hands. I love it. Dated a lot in high school. Uh, And then people started like prodding me in high school. Like, what about priesthood? I was like, no, I'm not. No, I I want to be a religion teacher. Like, let's go to Franciscan University in Steubenville. I was like, what's the most Catholic school that I could think of? I know that's been in the Catholic Twitter sphere a lot recently. What hasn't? but you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to go there. I even visited Steubenville when I was a senior in college to look at it, um, to go get like a religion degree, be a religion teacher, have a big family, be happy. Um, but I went in to seminary thinking like, all right, I'm going to go in for a year. I'm going to rule this out because I don't want to sit in the pews and think like, well, what if I joined? Or like, sit what in if- the pews and be like, he's full of shit. I well, can do that better. I... <laughs> Let's let's be clear. There are still times I do that because uh, homilies oftentimes, you know, suck. Suck. They just they're they ramble or they're just don't make any sense. Uh, but granted, I have small children, so I don't I can't listen anymore. I if if I go to mass recently, it has been awful. I find uh, I myself I find myself uh, saying a very Ron Swanson type thing. I know more than you. <laughs> well, I don't go that far. Uh, because I, I, I only had an undergrad degree. I don't, I don't pass it around and I don't use it very often uh, in my job currently. Um, but I will, I will say that the charisma of some homilies are quite boring. Either way, uh, I went in to leave and I didn't. Um, and uh, one thing that um, was Father, Father Biko. I don't know if you remember uh, or met Father Biko. Anthony Biko. Yes, from the he's, di- the, from the he's the one who essentially told me that it was okay to get tattoos as a Catholic. He was an amazing human being. Um, and it is unfortunate that he's no longer with us, but he, he was once told us, you, you got to be free to leave to be free to stay. I was never free to leave. 
uh, I, you know, uh, speaking of Ed content, the Pillar podcast, which I listen to pretty regularly, um, besides yours, of course, um, which I originally thought was about sneakers, but well, we won't get into it. Uh, I thought it's a well-played name, you know, it, sure. becoming a dad, put on New Balance. New Balance, yeah, absolutely. And you got to balance the new things. It's an obligation. Life. Makes It's well done. Um, but the, I think it was, I think it was JD. Cause I sent him a Twitter direct message and I said, thank you for saying what you said about undergoing formation in almost secret that they should, and I don't know if you remember this episode, it was a while ago. Um, but he said for seminarians to, to enter formation, to enter seminary in secret. So there's this, not this outside pressure to stay in. And that's what I had. I had a home parish that loved me. I had, a, I, when I went back in the summers, I was the landscaper and the custodian and I cleaned toilets and I cleaned flower beds. Um, and I was put up there in my cassock and I served mass and talked to all the people and help out at the youth groups and help out at the social action committee and do all these things. And it felt great. Um, it felt great to, to be wanted, to be a, almost a do not adored because, it, you know, but it is. Yeah, and you were elevated. They held yeah, you up on a pedestal. You put on, yeah, and they and you. I mean, you know, you couldn't go a day without talking about how to be against clericalism and this and that in the seminary because that's you know today that's all we talk. We they talk set a lot you about. up for failure. They did. They really do. Um, but then you go to like these old Italian parishes and the Italian grandmas, like, oh my god, I want to go out. I got a granddaughter for you, and you know, I, I it just. It, it was, I hope I don't wake up my kids. I apologize. Um, it, I was never free to leave. And my freshman year, I, it was something I really enjoyed. I was like, is this, is this really what God's calling me to do? My sophomore year, I really struggled. Um, I had a very crisis of faith. Like, do I believe? Um, and I, I remember getting good advice from confession one time. It was like, you know, the opposite of faith is, is not doubt, but it's indifference. And that carried me along. And then, you know, I'm working through things. Junior year, when I met you, um, I think I had a pretty solid year junior year. I think I was hitting strides and, you know, making friends. And we had a really good cohort, good, strong people around us. And, and I was, you know, there's two types of people in seminary. There was like the kind of the average Joe guys who, you know, lived normal lives, maybe a little bit older, dated in high school or dated and then went back for a philosophy degree. And then there was guys like homeschool guys, nothing against homeschool, not knocking homeschool. But they are uh, a different animal. They, I, I've thought about homeschooling my own kids. So, you know, bear with me. Uh, but there, there's very kids that, that, that lived a more sheltered life, I would say. Um, and I was not one of them. So, yeah, I, I, I was hitting my stride. And then senior year, I, I really struggled. Um, I remember... I was super late on my application to major seminary, um, like super late. I was dragging my feet. I knew I didn't want to do this, but I, I was not free to leave. I, there was, whether it's internalized pressure from my family, who's all excited. My family's religious, uh, whether it's internalized pressure for my own sake of not disappointing other people. Um, I, I put that on me. Um, I got emotionally physically involved with another girl in college. Um, one girl in college. Cause I met some people at, when did I go? I went to St. Mary's to see somebody after I left and they're like, yeah, Neil, I heard you had like relationships with all these girls. And I was like, no, no, that's, that's what I not had true. heard was that you were a playboy and that there were multiple women. No, 
I was a flirt. I was. I I will readily admit I was a flirt. I flirted because I mean I now I'm married man. Um but I I am very I'm a people person and sometimes that is translated into flirting, especially when you're single in college and everybody's your same age. And it was and, and you're the safe guy because you're a seminarian. So. Yeah. I you know. Um and at the end of my senior year. I got called well after so after I graduated graduated my fourth year I was like all right I'm going to Catholic University next year I'm just gonna do this I guess I don't know I, I was I was in a dark place like per, like personally like I I did not know what I wanted to do and I think I shut off my friends regrettably I I I, I wish I remembered more more of the particulars again because it was 11 10 years ago um I got called into the chancery to meet with the director of seminarians and our rector was there and I met with them. And apparently our group of friends had gone to the rector, talked to him about me. Um, and they wanted me to take a year off to get a spiritual director, live in the diocese, take a break between college seminary, and major seminary, it's like a spiritual year. Um, I thanked them. I said, we'll think about it. I'll let you know. Uh, and then I went to the chancery bathroom and I cried. And I, I remember locking the door and just crying. Um, I, it was, it was a hard drive back. It's about an hour drive back to my mom and dad's house. Um, and then I went on a trip to Mexico again this was like our graduation gift to ourselves with someone who had gone to the rector who is my friend but i don't know if i cut him off with them off or i don't know if they cut me off i don't know which is which i don't and i and i have forgiven all animosity towards them i'm being uh, interrupted somebody just came into my office is that a dog this is my dog jameson oh hi he just opened up the office door with his nose. It's all right. I'm in my bedroom, can. so it's oh, okay. Here we go. Uh, hold on. Yeah, so. Yeah, so we, we, um, we went to Mexico, and I, I said, screw it. I'm just going to have fun. And I did. Um, it was an all, like one of those all-inclusive resorts. Buddy of family had a slot, and we did, used it. It was my first time traveling to Mexico, and we had a great time. Um, but I, I was lost after seminary because you identify as a seminarian. Like you're, you're introduced as seminarian Neil Spencer. It's as if you had some sort of uh, canonical standing. Yeah. Like that's who you are. Like that, that is not just a, like a job you're trying for. Like you lost part of yourself. And that summer, I remember, I, I mean, it was so hard for me because like I downloaded, like I said, I downloaded the an application of the Coast Guard. I had no idea what I was doing with my life. Um, I remember telling my dad, I cried with my dad. I remember telling my grandma, cry with my grandma. Um, and then she died like a month later. I'm not saying I killed my grandma, but that was a hard summer. Um, and I... Yeah, I, I, I actually quickly rekindled things with a high school flame of mine who is now my wife. 
Um, but we broke up at the end of the summer um, because she was going to grad school at Seton Hall where I had went and I was going to live in Manhattan and work for this bank, which I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, so I had like two, two and a half years of being single and not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. And my pickup line in New York being like, I left seminary because I wanted to be a dad. Um, like, you know, that not, not that I use it very often, but people would ask me cause people would be curious what I, they, they just ask you after college, like, Oh, what'd you right. study? I was like, well, Catholic yeah. philosophical theology. theology. Yeah. Well, why, what? Gonna be uh, so yeah, and then you got to go in the whole story and this, you know, oh, why'd you leave? I try to make the joke now. I try to say like, oh, because the pay wasn't great. I mean, you start out like 15, 20,000. Like that's not, it's not going to cut it. No. <laughs> Student loans. No. Well, I mean, let's be honest, you know, religious, you people say you, you take a vow of poverty, but then like, you know, if your car breaks down, what do you do? You just go to the next key in the keychain and take the other car. Uh, but if, you know, a diocesan priest card breaks down, what do you do? Well, you have to pay for it to get fixed and you don't have, you know, but they get stipends and allowances for things like that. Yeah. I'm just saying you're not rolling in luxury. Most are no. not. No, we're, we're driving around, I think in like Ford Windstars, six of us, yeah. uh, you know, not so, not all skinny guys trying to pile into a car. And I would always try to get the the keys to the said wind star because then i was guaranteed a bucket seat and i didn't have Ooh. to sit on a bench seat with other people so we had honda odysseys in uh college seminary they were they were pretty great i actually want one now so we'll see we'll see if uh we'll get one but yeah so like that that was that was my my going in and going out story because it's it was i say seminaries was the best and worst time of my life because i got to travel i got to go to europe i got to see the pope a few times um, I still have very, very few good friends. Some are priests, some are not. Um, but I, I also lost most of my friends. When I left seminary, I, I felt like I was cut off. Um, That's one of the things that is uh, sort of still sort of fresh in my memory because I left in August of 2017 after being in for 10 years. Uh, I was looking down the barrel of perpetual profession. And I had said to myself when I joined, I said, you're not going to leave until they tell you it's time for you to leave. Because I yeah. always wanted to be married and have a family, but I always had this, um, I went to a come and see weekend for the Diocese of Providence, which is my home uh, diocese, um, my diocese of origin, because now I live in Boston, which is a different animal completely. Um, and they had a seminarian there who was giving a talk and he said, uh, following God into seminary is kind of like your heart strings being pulled at and you're being pulled in a direction. Uh, to a certain extent, I said, I can kind of see that. You know, I love the church and I want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes. And I just kept saying yes, kept saying yes, kept saying yes. Until finally, it's just like, I can't say yes to this. It's going to be for forever. And I know that this is not what I want. And then they were finally like, we don't think this is for you. And I was like, oh, it's about time. You know, I gave it uh, at that point, a third of my life has been dedicated to uh, being here. And it's not where I belonged. And a couple of the priests that I was close with and I'm still close with, uh, said you were miserable the last couple of years and I was like well why didn't you say something 
Well, and I think that's, I think that's what initially made me sour on um, my like core group of friends is I felt like I was abandoned. Like I felt like, why didn't they come to me? Why didn't they talk to me? And I probably created something that made them feel like they could. Uh, it's taken me years to understand and appreciate that because at the time I was hurt. I really was. Um, but, you know, they've also did one of the best things for me. And that's to get me to leave because it was not right. I've, I mean, I've always, always have the inclination to help people. I always have the inclination to serve people. Um, I had a corporate review in my corporate job and I was called a servant leader by my manager. Like that is, and that's not me. That's, that's people who work around me. It's like, that's just the nature America. of who I, that's corporate America talking servant leadership. Um, but like Where that's hear that before. I know, right? Um, but yeah, I, I it was like I said, one of the best times of my life. Some of some incredible, incredible people that give me true hope and faith in the church, and some of the worst times, and some of the most horrible people who make me question everything. So yes, can yeah, definitely see that. Uh, element because there have been people that uh have i've come across have made me question like do i really want to be associated with the church that has this guy as a member and as a leader and as uh, anything um who's <laughs> has decision making capabilities uh but then at the same time you have uh we're going to call them friends who in the beginning makes it look like they're stabbing you in the back but in reality, it was an act of charity where they took you out back and gave you a mercy kill uh, for your own good. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 um, because it, took, a, it took a while for me to see it that way. I'll say that. Because from what it sounds like, just hearing this story, um, hearing at one point or another that there were many uh, women, there was just one woman whom you involved yourself with. Uh, it yep. sounds like it was an episode of self-destruction. And, you know, to be honest, I, I, I still, to this day, like I, you know, get married happy, but I mean, I still care for this, the girl, the girl, uh, you know, we kept it, we, we kept in contact a little bit after college, but nothing really came from it. She lived far away. Um, but she was a, a wonderful human being. Um, and I think, we were both at a time where we sought out that kind of human connection, that human caring for each other. She it just said, ended a relationship and I was struggling in seminary. And I think we just kind of connected. Um, and, you know, that happens. And I think that's, that's a good thing that it it's happens very, in college seminary. It's very human. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think it is, it, it would have been just horrific if they kept silent, my friends kept silent and I continued horrific because I don't know if I would have the courage to say I can't continue. I don't know. I genuinely don't know the answer to that question, whether I could say like, I need to step back. Maybe this isn't right. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know if I, I had the strength at the time to, to say that. So your friends did you a favor in the long run. And that's, that's where I'm at today. You, you asked me 10 years ago and I wouldn't have said that, but. Uh, a knife and just stab them. 
no, 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 no violence. Um, maybe just more sarcastic remarks, but no, I, 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 I thank them. Um, I don't, I don't know if they're, they're listeners, but they know who they are. And I thank them because it allowed me the opportunity to work in Manhattan, to get all these life experiences that I never did meet so many different people, rekindle a relationship with my wife, well, girlfriend, then high school girlfriend, now wife, have two amazing kids. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's all lives are hard, but it's amazing. I'm glad you found that path and to go down it and to have those great life experiences coupled with the hardships that you experienced during seminary to have that, uh, we'll call it a dark night of the soul because it was a spiritual problem that manifested itself in a physical uh, way um, to overcome that and to rekindle things with the person whom now you are completely dedicated to for life, both in a physical and spiritual sense with whom you share children with, I think is something that is a very profound graduation um, in life, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it's a real pain in the ass. I got to be honest. But I mean, that's part of the reality. (laughs) Yes, it is. I mean, because I don't want, I, I know what you're saying. I just, I get, not not that I get flustered. I I just I don't like it when make when people make parenting or marriage sound so rosy. It's just not. Like Sometimes it is not. It's, not great. it's you know it's hard. It is it parent. I mean, ten months. I think we your daughter's ten months, right? Uh, ten weeks. Ten weeks. Sorry. Tomorrow. Ten um, weeks. Yeah. So that that is like the scary phase where it's like. Oh, she's she's ridiculous. Showing a showing a picture of my wife and daughter uh, about two weeks ago. Yeah, see, ten weeks you're not moving, you're not talking. Like every phase is different. It's just, but it's scary because you're you're like watching the baby monitor be like, is my baby still breathing? Like every every part of it has its fear and suck factor. And now toddlers who just like throw shoes at you and yell at you, and you know, you're like, am I raising a monster? Like, am I a terrible parent? Because that's sometimes what I think. I mean, you did cut the ego in the wrong way. Uh, You know what? That's a great point. You bring it up. And uh, I apologize. I want to make it on the record that I apologize (laughs) for cutting the ego wrong. Well, when your uh, child listens to this many years down the line and says, oh, man, my dad said, I'm sorry. I shouldn't hate him now for that (laughs) 20 years later. Well, now, I mean, it's tough because my son is in a daddy phase and my daughter's in a mommy phase. So, like. My son only wants me for bedtime where for like a year when my son was very young, he only wanted his mom. And I think that was, you know, my wife was still breastfeeding at the time, but then like I was always putting my daughter. So like it flip flops, but it's still, yeah. it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's a team, this team effort. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Very much so there. You can't do this alone. I mean, you, people do, but I couldn't. Nope. Definitely could not do this, do this alone. Um, yeah, so I know, uh, you know, we talked about some shenanigans during the high school seminary days. We briefly touched on, uh, I guess, us also um, mercy killing somebody from seminary. Uh, <laughs> what do we 
call it a mercy kill or I'm not exactly sure. Well, the guy wasn't yeah. supposed to be there. No, uh, just like I wasn't. You weren't. And I was. No. Yeah, that's no. fine. And that's what the, and that's what seminary is for. Like discerning. I, if, <laughs> if any seminarian is listening, you have to be free to leave, to be free to stay. Just keep that in mind. That's it. So something one of my superiors told me during the formation process, which is in the same vein as that, but not as clear cut as Biko. He said, if you're going to be a good priest, you should also be able to be a good dad. And oh, 100%. Happened. Yeah. And I was well, like, yeah. I, I also heard similar advice. I said, you, a, good, uh, a good priest will also be a good, or like, what was it? It was like, uh, what makes a good dad also makes a good priest. Like the qualities are the same. Like he is, I mean, it's true. It's 100% true. And the bad priests, the bad dads, the qualities are the same. So, yeah, we have had a few things where, you know, get guys who are upset that you ask them to do something. It's like, well, you're interrupting my homily prep. Sometimes you wish they did homily prep and they're upset that like, uh, here's a slip of paper. Somebody's dying. They're in hospice. They've got less than 24 hours to live. And like, oh, I'm watching a show. It's like, we'll get up off your ass and go. Yeah. Tough. It's a tough life. I, I can't. I, I watch, when I watch my shows, everybody else is asleep in the house. Like that's when I watch my shows. Yeah. My, my wife and I, we trade off, uh, you know, mainly I have control of the remote, but I'm like, no, I like that. Let's watch what you're watching or, you know, she'll watch what I'm watching and we'll go back and forth and, you know, team effort, you know, that's it. Watch, uh, right now she's watching, uh, this is us or catching up on that. No, on NBC. She's up, she's up to date. Maybe we don't have cable anymore. We've got the Peacock and the Paramount plus. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 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 All the streaming services. Uh, but you know, it's, I'm definitely glad and happy with where I'm at in life because I feel fulfilled now that emptiness is no longer there. It's been filled. And, you know, I don't think there, there would be, uh, any sort of satisfaction because I would have constantly been longing for that emotional intimacy with somebody uh, that you talked about earlier on, you know, that craving for it and yeah. searching it out. Um, one of the things that I made certain of when I left was that I was not going to date anybody uh, who knew me as brother Adam or who knew me when I was in seminary, because I felt like that there's a, a tipping of the scales or something. I just felt that it would be uh, taboo-ish to a certain extent. So I, mm, I can understand that. that. I mean, I went I the opposite route. Yeah, I, I went, I've, I've known, I, I first met my wife. Um, I was dating the girl whose locker was next to her. Um, and my buddy was dating my now wife. I know it's confusing. I'll, I'll use names. So my, my buddy was dating Laura, my wife, and I was dating a girl named Kelly and they had similar starting last names. So their lockers were next to us. Um, and I remember like telling my, I remember telling Laura, I was like, you better watch out for my buddy. He's a player. Like, just, just keep, keep your eyes out. You were laying the groundwork. I was just, I was just looking out for her. And then I was, yeah. And then we, we started dating um, my only varsity letter in high school. 
was for girls soccer. I was the, um, I was the, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I was what the, what are, what, what did they call the now? team manager? Yeah, I was the team manager and I would like keep score. And, and that was all because I was friends with the religion teacher who was the coach um, who also went, happened to go to jail, but we don't have to get into that for this one. We'll save that for a future show. Okay. So now we have to have a, yeah, he was arrested uh, by the FBI. No big deal. He was also a visionary. He had books on <laughs> Mary. No big deal. Um, we'll talk about him. <laughs> yeah. You just fucking glaze over a real big point. Gla- <laughs> I'm going to glaze over that. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, that, so that's where we are glazing met. over that, there was uh, one of the girls in my psychology class or I forget if it was psychology or photography, because there were two twins in uh, that I had when I was a brother at Seton Hall. Um, one was in my psych class, one was in my photography class, and they went on to teach at one some high school, um, a Catholic high school that had recently closed, but then she ended up sleeping with an underage student Ooh. at the high school, got arrested, um, and just fell off the face of the earth for some reason so we won't talk about it in too much detail it's wild because i mean i took digital photography in college was that like a seminarian thing i guess i mean i i know we were required to do certain yes uh, a broad degree broad extracurricular activities they told me i didn't have to take latin so i had to take social sciences and i also had to do something artsy so I yeah. chose to do digital photography. Well, we took Latin, and I just remember getting mad at my buddy, Jimmy. Um, I'll use his name because I adore him as a person. Jimmy Abreu. Jimmy Abreu, fantastic human being. I haven't talked to him in too long. Um, but he he would, he would was such a stinker. Uh, and I'm, I don't, my God, I'm using stinker like I'm talking to my daughter. Uh, but he would use like Spanish as as like a Latin phrase. And I forget the professor's name, but he would like accept that. I was like, oh, very good, Jimmy. And I was like, no, that was Spanish. That wasn't Latin. You're just not a good professor. Um, but yeah. I, You're not I, fluent I, in this and it's obvious. <laughs> I was very bad at Latin. Um, I was very bad at foreign language. But um, yeah, I, I yeah, but like things like mathematical perspectives in college seminary. I remember that's like how you felt about math, digital photography. Yeah, it. it's, I, it. I don't, I don't miss school. People tell me, like, uh, ask me, like, are you going to go for your MBA now? And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to. I, I don't. I enjoyed theology. I enjoyed learning about this stuff. I enjoyed the topic. I hated it. How am I going to go to school for something I dislike, like math, like real math, or like economics? I'm like, I no, no. Like, I enjoy talking about theology and talking about like all have conversations with people and they'll bring logic into it and they're like listen i don't want you to get logical i just want you to listen and like hear me out and don't give like reasoning behind why there should be a counterpoint to what i'm saying like sorry that's my training that's what i know but like i've got all of these quasi books on my bookshelf and i haven't picked up a really anything to read of substance since uh you know i did uh papers on the prophet uh isaiah and the prophesying of the coming messiah 
you know, for a final paper that I had to do for Dr. Glazoff in grad school. So, oh. and I'm like, they're like, why don't you read? I'm like, cause my eyes are tired from college. Still. <laughs> yeah. I'm audiobooks now. It's, it's when I'm driving to my parents and I'm, you know, audiobook. Give me that, that commute, audible. That commute to work can be a bitch for you too. Well, I, to be honest, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I work in, I, I work from where I'm sitting right now with my closet in the background. Um, but yeah, it, and if I'm driving to the office, it's still 13 minutes, 13 oh, minutes not, to the office. No, it's not bad so at all. I live 12 miles from my office. Do you want to know how long my commute is? Are you in Boston, Boston? I live in Boston. I have like to Boston go, proper. Yes, I have a Boston zip code. Uh, probably 45 minutes. Yeah, about that. Yeah, I I am familiar with Boston. Uh, I love Boston, but it's not made for cars. It's just not. You 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 have a town made for horses and buggies, and you shouldn't have cars in Boston. I laugh every year because I see a picture come up on Facebook memories of Manhattan with its grid layout. Yeah, says because it makes sense, and then it has Boston with all the squiggly lines, and it says because fuck. Well, let's be honest, because I mean, if you look at Lower Manhattan, like you know. Lower Manhattan is that squiggly line. Midtown is where they really, which, you know, at that time was all farmland. So they're like, oh, let's make grids out of all this farmland. Um, but I do love, I, I do love, uh, even though I live closest to Philadelphia, um, I do love New York and I love Boston. I do. I, those two cities have a special place in my heart. Likewise for Philadelphia for me. I Enjoyed my time there. It was very short-lived, but uh, I only spent. A yeah, week. I don't like Philadelphia. I think it's. No. I, I, we've always called it Philadelphia, um, home of the Dirty Birds. Yeah. I, well, I, so I am. I am a confused individual. I think that I even put this on my Twitter profile. Uh, I am a Mets fan. New York Mets always has been, always will be. But I'm also a Philadelphia Eagles fan, so diehard Eagles fan. So it's a, it's a, it's a hard contradiction in life. But one that you wear well. You know what? That's 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 right. Thank you. I appreciate appreciate you saying that. I do what I can. Um, I know that your wife is probably trying to get to bed because she has to work in the morning, and so do you. Tomorrow's well. Nice I actually Saturday. might not. Um, if we're we're out of childcare tomorrow, so I don't actually know what we're doing tomorrow for work. So <laughs> you'll be burning we'll, a sick day. We'll figure we'll figure it out. Well, Neil, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you, and we'll have to have you on again to talk about the things with which we've glazed over uh, tonight and talk more in depth about, I feel like we owe it to ourselves to go down the rabbit hole of the vocation of marriage and fatherhood to a certain extent, to explore it both philosophically and then also talk about it in reality um, Yeah, and how it manifests itself on a daily basis, but also just to reminisce because I've enjoyed this and I want to do it again. And I have a podcast, so I can do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a podcast, but I haven't talked to you in a decade and I, I miss your face. Um, I miss talking. I miss seeing your voice and you're a good, you're just a good guy. Um, and I, I, I miss that. I miss that. I, I, I like, like I said, I'm a human connection guy. We are human connection people, but also, you know, we're genuine friends and we pick up where we've left off, even though there's been yeah. a decade gap between the two times. Yeah, absolutely. So